So what's it really like being a pastor? What are the inside secrets and stories that you may or may never even be aware of? So we're joking about this today, but <clears throat> honestly, this episode was inspired by Instagram reels and and uh, Facebook mess or Facebook uh, videos, and that we've I, I've noticed because Ben's not on social media I'm because not. he's an old fogey. No, because I enjoy my life. Okay, well, I don't have a life, so I. <laughs> but every once in a while, there'll be like some influence to get on, and they'll say these are questions that every other person wants to know about you, or or what it's like to be a you know um, a southerner or a, a guy or whatever. So this is what is it like to be a pastor. So what we're going to do is Ben and I are going to pepper each other with questions. Actually, I'm going to pose the questions um, and and kind of give you a little fun insight into what it's like to be a pastor uh, on, on this episode of Life Talk. So, Ben, you ready? Yeah, and I just want you to know, as much as you complain about the Thanksgiving episode, this yeah. is the one I'm like, oh, man. Because I'm you're so good at thinking on your feet. Like, remember when we, when we, when we record the videos, Britt knows this. When Britt records you on the video, you're like amazing at it. Yeah. And and Britt, am I right? When I do recording, Britt's, I mean, it's kind of like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I'm so bad at this. And I've gotten better at it. I have gotten better. But like the first time Britt's like, I'm recording, I'm like, I did, but uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I don't do well with the video camera on me, which is odd because I speak in front of, you know, hundreds of people for a living, but there's something about me speaking singularly to a video camera that I'm like, oh, uh, what am I supposed to say right now? So I'm, I'm loving this even more. This is this episode <laughs> is brought to you by Ben being awkward. But I just, I just, I'm just nervous because you're gonna ask me a question. And I feel like there's gonna be things I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, but it, we're gonna do, we're gonna do I, this, man. I don't know is an acceptable answer. So, okay. <laughs> you sound like me talking to my my kids right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> Why'd right. you do that? I don't know. <laughs> well, you better figure it out. All right. Well, I'm going to start with a fun one. Oh, fun. I like fun. Okay. So yes. what is the biggest blooper you have ever pulled in a sermon or a, a talk oh, or man. anything that uh, that haunts you to this day that you replay at night or whatever? So. Okay. So I don't think I ever said anything really you know, obnoxious or dumb. My wife probably remembers this more than any, any, anything, but... There, there was a time, the biggest blooper I think was, I, there was a time where I switched preaching from a Bible and a piece of paper to my iPad. Mm -hmm. And this is like middle of the teens, 2000 teens. And um, so one Sunday I get up to preach and my I, I cannot get it connected to have any of my notes. Mm. I mean, it's just gone. And I'm up there and, and like, what do you do? Yeah. And I just winged it. Did you tell him? No. Nope. I nope. didn't tell a See, now, that's soul. the sign of the concept. I did that one time, guest speaking on Easter Sunday. <laughs> I left my Bible, and I was staying like an hour and a half away. I'd driven to it, and I'd get in there, and I'd, I, I didn't have my Bible. Oh, And my I had goodness. to preach from memory three services. Oh. So, yeah, it was— So, anyways, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit— Help me to remember. Good probably thing, the best sermon you ever preached. It probably was. You're like, Pastor, you were anointed this morning. I'm like, that was because I didn't have any notes. No, that that was the one. That, that's probably the biggest blooper that I've made. Uh, I've, I've had multiple, and you were there for one of them. I remember the, yes, yes. booty contest. Yes, yes. I, I was giving an illustration talking about a parade, and I was talking about the parade that would go through my hometown. Yes. And I would say, and they would pick the most beautiful girl to put on the back of a convertible. She had won the local booty contest. <laughs> 
And I'm telling you, beauty. the <laughs> section of teenagers that morning could not stop yeah. shaking. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm known for um, unfortunate turns of phrases <laughs> and inappropriate just off-the-cuff comments. Yeah. We've actually got a staff pastor who keeps a journal of them Yes, to, we do. To and we will not tell you who it is, <laughs> but there's a library. Yes. <laughs> so, but that, that yeah, the, the morning of the booty pageant was was uh, quite, quite... And we were on TV and everything. Yes, yeah, so. I remember. Yeah. There's nothing... And you just kept going. Well, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> because if you acknowledged it, then it would have been like yeah. even worse. But anyways. Okay. Booty okay. contest. <laughs> um. Okay, let's, this is this is a, this is one that's you know right over the plate and at the knees. What do you like most about being a pastor? What what is it that you really like? The thing I like most about being a pastor is seeing God work in people's lives. When I see God get a hold of someone's heart where they were heading in one direction, they didn't know God, or they were just in, stuck in sin, and then now they're growing, thriving, walking with Jesus, leading people. To me, there's nothing greater than seeing someone who God transforms, and to know that God, you're just you're just the vessel that He used to help make that process happen, and that's so encouraging. I love, yeah. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, I and and there's so many different things about it. I you know I like doing something that I think actually matters. Mm-hmm. That's always important to me. Um, <clears throat> but pro- probably for me, it's having been in ministry long enough. That now you see guys and ladies that grew up who are now serving the Lord on their own, mm-hmm. and the Lord is using them significantly. Yeah. Um, years ago, I went to the funeral of a guy who mentored me, mm. and as I sat on the platform, I was having a part in the ceremony. Um, all of a sudden, a row of guys or a line of guys came in and stood in front of the casket one at a time, and then went up and sat in the choir loft until the whole choir was full. And I leaned over to the guy who was helping me conduct the service. I said, who are these guys and where are they coming in? I wasn't aware this was going to happen. And he said, these are guys who went into the ministry out of this guy's um, uh, ministry time. Wow. He, he died young. He died in his 50s, I believe, late 50s. And he preached. He pastored a tiny church in Ohio that probably didn't have more than 200 people in it. And wow. there was probably 20 or 30 guys. Wow. that got it. And I, at, at that moment, I kind of turned my chair into an altar and I said, Lord, if I don't ever accomplish anything in my life, let there be a row of men and women who come up at my funeral and say, God used him in some small way yeah. to, to serve you. Yes, absolutely. That's so, it. <clears throat> okay. Um what is what is one of the hardest decisions you've had to make? Ooh, hardest decisions I've had to make. Probably the hardest one I had to make was probably leaving my old church, mm-hmm. leaving Church of Denver, where I, I loved that place. I loved the ministry. I loved the people. Um, our our family was very comfortable there. It was it just felt like if our family and. And you, many people have heard me share the story, but it took me it took me almost a year for for me to yield to God and be like, okay, I'll I'll leave. But it that was a hard hard decision. Um, not only because we loved the people there and we loved the ministry there. Um, you know, you, you kind of you, when you plant a church, it's really weird. You almost look at you feel like that church is like a child of yours mm-hmm. because you you saw God birth that out, and so it was really hard. Um, but it was also because we didn't know where God was going to lead us. It was kind of like this unknown. And so that was the hardest decision at, at any point that I've had to make um, as far as leaving that church and stepping out into the unknown. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and interesting you chose that because that would have been similar to what I chose. For me, it was leaving our church in Florida hmm. to move here to Charlotte yes. in 1999. Yeah. It actually took about nine months from the first contact to the time I, I actually left. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, 18 years for me there. And for my wife, that's where she had grown up. Mm. And those people loved us and we loved them. Yeah. I had started off as an English teacher and became, you know, worked my way through the system, so to speak, to become the lead pastor. These people had been there when we lost our babies, when we got married, when yeah. we had adopted our children, when all these different things happened. And then all of a sudden we came, you know, to, you know, we left and came to a completely different culture, a different church where people didn't know us. And, you know, very rapidly after we got here, we also realized they didn't care, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, we were, we were more or less a hired hand. Yeah. We're there, we had been family. Yeah. And so, you know, during the rough years there, many times I would look back and it, it marked a very, very hard period in my yeah. own life and my own journey. And while we were confident we were doing what God wanted us to do, it, sometimes obeying God is very, very Absolutely. hard to do. Absolutely. So, okay. Good. Um, so what, what, what is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you as a pastor? Oh man, embarrassing thing. Okay. I'll, I'll tell probably one of the most, this is one of the things I can remember. Sometimes I can't remember things. I, mm -hmm. I just, maybe it's because I block things out of my mind. <laughs> I don't, if it's bad, I don't, I just block it out. But, um, when I did my internship with you in Florida, the summer of 1997, um, you and I think it was Gary Kolbach came into my office one day. And you're like, hey, we've got a we've got a little job for you, and I was like, what? And you're like, there's a lady that used to come to us church. No one really knows her, but she died, and we need you to do the funeral because it was July Fourth weekend, and everyone was going to be gone. And so <laughs> I was like, okay. So I'm this 21 year old kid that you know I'm start. You you gave me the Warren Wearsby book, comforting mm -hmm. the bereaved, and I planned this whole service out. I met with the family, and so I I I did the service, and it like it went phenomenal, right? And then what I, for, so here's the embarrassing part. So everyone thanks me for the time there. And then as I walk out, I leave and I left my Bible on the top of my car. <laughs> and so, so, so people, when I back out and leave people, are, I mean, they're kind of looking at me like puzzled eyed and I'm just like, what, what's going on now? And then I just, I start driving down the road. Right. And it, this is one of these big thick King James Bibles. It did not move, but, but it kind of like the, the wind flapped it. Flipping. And so I, I pulled up at a, one of the stop stoplights there and some guy's like, Hey dude, you got something on your car. And I get out and I get out of the car and then like my Bible's there. And, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I drove off from that funeral with the Bible on my car. And they probably just were like, what what rent a pastor did we get to do this funeral? Anyways, that poor, was poor seminary student intern. That's the one that I remember the that stuck that sticks in my mind. I'm sure there's other embarrassing moments, but that is definitely one of them. Yeah, I've I've had so many. Uh, there was <laughs> some of them involve around baptisms. Like there was the time oh, when I was actually man. helping with baptism. I wasn't doing a baptism, and we had everybody wearing what was like a karate gi. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you had a belt yeah. and you're supposed to wear like gym shorts underneath it. Yeah. And then you had, and this guy who, you know, the old farmer and he probably weighed about 250 and uh, he came in to get baptized. And when the pastor brought him up out of the water, the belt came undone and he did not understand you were supposed to wear <laughs> oh, <laughs> gym no! shorts underneath. So I got a full frontal flash. <laughs> 
as he came up out of the water. Oh um, my word! I had had another one where I was helping with a baptism, and uh, and uh, a woman was wearing a rather large wig. I, I had something like that happen. Yeah, it came to off me. in the in the hand, came, it, yeah. is, and and she started fighting me because her the wig started coming off yeah. in the water. Yes, and then, you know, like, to... and and she was a little bit more rotund, <laughs> and so it was kind of like fighting someone to put them under. And I don't think I got her all the way under, but I was not Did going that count? to. <laughs> I think it. I think God. I think it counted. I'm not sure, but she was fighting up the storm, and she because she. I don't know what the deal was, but I don't know if you remember this. This baptism. Uh, it was at at Northside, and uh, their baptistry was way. Up, I mean, it was like oh, three it was, or four floors up. Yeah, I it, mean, was it was thirty was, feet up in the sky. In, yeah, in yeah. The, in the, and the choir was underneath. Yes. It, and I was baptizing again a rather um, well constructed lady, mm-hmm. and. Um, when I put her under the water, it just caught at the moment where it created a tsunami effect and it created a wave that went up and over the glass and down onto oh. the choir below. <laughs> in this, the, the, probably the baptistry was a little too full. Yeah. And she was a little, there's a lot of water displacement. Let's just put oh it that Oh my way. goodness. And so everybody you know, below her was shrieking. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to me, that was both a Baptist and a Presbyterian baptistry at that moment because some got immersed and others got sprinkled. That is hilarious. <laughs> Three for the price of one. Oh, so, man. Okay. So, and I have more, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is the worst stereotype of being a pastor? The worst stereotype? Yeah. Oh, it's easy. We only work one day a week. No, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, that's what most people, and I get it. We joke. I, it doesn't, that that used to bother me. It doesn't bother me anymore because I don't, at some point you get to, to, to the realization like, the only person that matters what is is God, right? Right. But that is that um, typical, oh yeah, you only work one day a week. And, yeah. and so that that's probably the thing that. That can be frustrating that people don't really understand. Or or they ask these questions like, what do you do all week? Yeah. And yeah. I'm always like, well, you can come join me and I'll show you exactly yeah. what I do. Wear your you tennis know? shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have a, a, a relative who knows that that irritates me. And so he brings that up. I'm James, I'm talking about you right now. But um, <laughs> he, he'll bring that up. And so he recently had a little boy. And now he's taught his little boy. Like, I wish I had a job like Uncle Dan so I only have to work once a week. Just he, ask a pastor's wife. That's who you should ask. Oh. Because they don't would, want to unleash the they, they would know. <laughs> they would be able to explain to you what exactly yeah. we do. But anyways, yeah. I, I think the other stereotype is that. You know, at some level, all pastors are like uh, are like uh, televangelists. Mm. Um, you know, we're in it for the money, uh, or or something along that line. Um, I've always been duly employed, um, and the reason I've always been duly employed is when I want nice things, I want to be able to say I bought it with my other income. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, pastors don't work on on uh, uh, commission. When I'm when I'm taking a special offering, I don't get a percent. Um, and in every church I've ever been in, I've been in the top ten percent of the givers. Always, you know, because I lead, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you would as well. But we we lead by example. Yeah, we tithe exactly. Um, but there's just this, you know, it's it's like the sad thing is when you have somebody who does something horrible, it taints the whole. Yes. The whole. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like all priests are child molesters or Boy Scout leaders are child molesters. Yeah. All politicians are on the take. Um, and that's not true. You only hear about the, you know, the horrible ones. So that, right. that's an ear. And I'm probably super sensitive about it because yeah. I just, you know, I really serve the Lord because I, I want to, and I want to please him and I feel called to do that. So when somebody implies that, it really bugs yeah. the tar out I of pro- me. I pro- here's another, if, if 1A is we only work one day a week, I think 1B would be that there are some weeks where life is work 
and the needs of the ministry are so crazy that sometimes our preparation for Sunday doesn't begin until later on. It's not it's not that we're not disciplined, it's just there are certain things, certain weeks that the the demands of of shepherding people, of leading people, of you know, whatever it might be. And it all of a sudden it's like, well, I, usually it's by this day my sermon is done and I haven't because of these five five big, you know, emergencies crises, that's just yeah. crises that that happen. And you know, that's probably the other thing is, you know, Sunday is Sunday always comes, you know, mm-hmm. like for example, yeah. Thursday is a, is a national holiday, but guess who's going to be working? Mm-hmm. I, I do because it doesn't matter what the national, there's always, you know, Sunday is coming yeah. and whether or not the, the world gets a day off, I don't get a chance to take a day off. I mean, I, I've got my days off that I take, but I'm just saying like, if I take Thursday off, I'm working Friday. Yeah. You know, if I'm, you know, so it doesn't, yeah, the work it never, has to be done it never works out days, to be yeah. like, oh, I've got an extra day off this week. I mean, so that to me is the other thing is sometimes the, the preparation for a sermon can, can get disrupted and that, that can be a little bit difficult at times. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some people have crises and in that moment they're in the state of crises. They, it doesn't, they don't care. I mean, and it's not because they wouldn't care normally, mm-hmm. but if somebody if somebody just got a cancer diagnosis at the last right. minute, or yeah. somebody's husband just passed away, which I've had happen, right. um, you've got to be there. That's yeah. our calling. That's at right. the same time, in, in the back of your head, it's oh my goodness, I've got to get up in a few hours and, yeah. and deliver a message. Yes. So, yeah. So and and again, we're not we're not saying oh what was we're me? not complaining just, at all, but we're trying to give you a, a little. You said you said misunderstanding, or but yeah. they don't understand. Sometimes that's one of the things that. People don't understand. Yeah. So uh, if you could change anything about what you do, what would it be? Mm, anything that I, man, that is a really good question. I'm going to, can you, can I pass? No. I'll answer while you get, while I'm answering, you come up. All with right. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's not fair. No, I'm in pass to you to answer first. Let me think oh, about oh, it for okay, a while. Okay. Yeah. For me, it, it's going to be, um, it, I would spend more time with people in ministry and less time in administration. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. A hundred percent. People do not understand. Our heart's desire is to be with people, to listen, to coach, to disciple, to witness, to do all these things. But the necessity, and and, and again, pastoring a small church and pastoring a large church, two completely Mm -hmm. different animals. I do not possess the character, skill, talent, intellect or anything to be the pastor of a small church. <laughs> and and the reason for that, I mean, I grew up in a small church. Yeah. My pastor mowed the grass of the you church. Every, you do everything. He took the old ladies to the doctor. Yeah. He had coffee with the widowed. Uh, he 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 printed the Sunday school material. Yeah. He preached three, four times a week. Yeah. He did all those different do things. Everything. And he had no secretary. Yeah. And he had no he had no assistant. Yeah. And, and he also led the youth group and organized that. He locked and unlocked the buildings. I mean, my pastors were saints. Yeah. I am not equipped to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and and so at, at the same time, um I feel responsible as do you in our roles. We have to we have to understand budgeting, the law, um, ethics. We have staff to manage, uh, security features. Um, yeah. You you um, you know, coordinating, calendaring, budgeting, all these different things that have and they have to be done. And people often will say, "Well, you know what? Sometimes I come to church and it just feels like a business." 
Well, every family has to have a budget. Every family has to have security. Yeah. Every, you know, we are a family. Yeah. It's just a huge family. When you got literally over a thousand people who need you to be doing what, I mean, people don't understand that for a typical Sunday, a typical Sunday service, we need over 100 volunteers in place, ready to go. Mm-hmm. To make that happen, yeah, and and that's that's quite a coordinating yeah. thing, yeah, and and so um, is our heart to be with people. Would I like to go out to dinner with everybody who wants to go out to dinner with me? I would love that. I'd love to go to people's houses. I would love to do those things. Yeah. But in in reality, there's just no way because again, yeah. we have families too. Totally, I would say. Man, if I could spend all all week with just discipling people and studying for to preach on Sunday to to teach God's word. That would be the most amazing job, but I mean, the rea- like you said, there's a reality to the administrative leadership of the church, which is not what I'm. I'm not passionate about it, but it's uh, when I say passion, I'm. I'm. It needs to be done, and I w- mm-hmm. don't want to ignore it. But it's definitely not in the thing that I. I wake up every day thinking, oh, I can't wait to have, you know, these meetings and and do this. It's just it's it's the things that really drive me are discipleship. In, in teaching God's word. Those are the things that, yep. that get me excited the most. All right. Last one for you. Biggest God moment. Ooh, biggest God moment. Oh, man. Okay. I rem- I'll never forget this Sunday. I got up to, this has only happened one time in my life. I had this entire sermon prepared in the Holy Spirit while I was sitting there in the seat said, I don't want you to preach that sermon. I want you to preach on this passage. And I had not studied that passage. I hadn't done anything. So I was just like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. He's like, preach this passage. I got up there. I didn't have any notes, didn't have anything. I just preached the sermon that God told me to preach. And from what anyone has ever told me, it's the greatest sermon that I've ever preached. Mm. And they didn't record it. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? My brother to this day is like, Ben, it's one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. And they didn't record it. And they didn't record it, which is interesting. Yeah. But it's just, it was like this moment that God was like, I want you to go to Isaiah 40 and preach this sermon. And I did. And it was just like this anointed moment that I had yeah. with God. And for some reason, God did not want it recorded. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It is. And, you know, those kind of moments are, are affirmations from the Lord. Yeah. I would love for that to happen like every week. You know, wouldn't it be great? Like, all right, God, I'm just waiting. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't duplicate that and you can't like, it's like going into Narnia. You know, the God when 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 Aslan calls you, you go. But but th- that was a massive God moment. I'll never forget as long as I live. Yeah, those those moments where God intervenes. Just I, the one I was thinking of didn't happen in a pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was at a time when I really felt like God had me on the shelf, mm. and I wondered whether or not He wanted me to be in ministry, pastor, yeah. or whatever. And I was supposed to preach the next morning here at Life Fellowship, and. Um, I got sick Sunday or Friday, Saturday evening, and I don't get sick. And when I get sick, I can barrel through. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just ornery. And uh, but this was one of those where my throat was closing up. I had a fever. I, I oh, and and and, and I, it was diverticulitis. Oh yeah, that was, it yeah. Was, That's what specifically it was, where literally I could have been laying in bed writhing in pain. Mm. But I, all all this happened, and I went to bed and I said, Lord, I am not going to be able to preach tomorrow, and there's nobody else to preach. I don't know what to do. And about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up. In my the sheets were so wet. The blanket was wet. The sheets were wet. The mattress cover was wet. It was so, and I woke up my wife and I said, I don't know what, what's going on. 
I've never had anything. I, I was like somebody wet the bed. It was mm-hmm. that weird. She literally got bath towels and laid them on the bed and and soaked up the water. We stripped the bed, had to soak up the mattress. And I had no more symptoms. No more symptoms <laughs> wow. at all. Wow. I've never had anything experience that. If yeah. somebody else told me that, I'd say, yeah, yeah, well, well. You know, <laughs> but for it to happen to me, and it was like God saying, got your back, man. Yeah. Got your back. That's so you go cool. preach. Yeah. So anyway, well, those those have been some fun stories. Cool. We actually yeah. had a bunch more questions and we could have done, but we'll, we didn't we'll do. We'll do another episode. We'll have to do another episode. Yeah. As always, we're honored that you would join us on Life Talks. Thank you so much for doing so. Please share the word on your social media accounts if you would. And until next time, thanks for joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.